0: What we're going to be talking about this morning is the whole topic of worry. Worry is universal. Everyone worries. And it's certainly not a new problem. As we saw last week, worry goes all the way back to Jesus' time. Jesus had a little bit of spare time to chat with his friends. What did he talk about? Worry. And so the encouraging thing is, it's not just you... And it's not just a problem here in the UK. People have been worrying for at least 2,000 years. That being said, although it's certainly a phenomenon that preceded coronavirus, my experience, and the experience of thousands if not millions of people around the world, is that our worries have very much been fueled in this time of deep uncertainty and great challenge, to the point they have reached epidemic proportions. However the good news is, as we began to unpack last time, Jesus, in this famous passage here in Matthew 6, presents a strategy for overcoming worry. And unlike so many of the strategies that I think we can adopt, it offers a genuine route to freedom. You see, Very often, I think when we're feeling overwhelmed, we can adopt strategies that are really unhelpful, strategies that end up limiting us and certainly don't free us. Perhaps the most common of these strategies is simply not thinking about it. We can try, can't we, to suppress our feelings, just push them down. Problem is, when we try to suppress things, they don't actually get dealt with. In fact, when we push them down, they just end up exploding back stronger than before. Or, I think as Christians, maybe we hear sermons based on Jesus' words here that say things like, just don't worry. The assumption is that you can just snap out of it. But you know as well as I do, it's not quite that simple, is it? If you could simply stop feeling anxious, if you could just turn it off like a tap, then I'm guessing you would probably have done it by now. But actually, as I want to try and show you today, Jesus wasn't offering a commandment. He was offering us a route to freedom. For the record, I should probably just make the point that in reality, not all worry is unhelpful. In fact worry can be incredibly healthy, like for example if the smoke alarm starts going off in the middle of the night and there are flames coming under my bedroom door, then it's unhealthy to tell myself to just stop worrying and simply roll over and go back to sleep again. And so worry can be a healthy response to a given situation. The problem is when worry and anxiety have reached a volume or have become so incredibly dominating that we find it hard to think of anything else. It's like this God-given mechanism that is supposed to protect our lives begins to try and steal our lives. And what Jesus shows us in this passage is how to go about dealing with the unhealthy kind of worry and start getting our life back again. If you remember from last week, Jesus starts by saying, I want you to look at the birds. Won't you look up from your situation? Look out at the world around you. Please don't close your eyes to what creation is giving witness to. Pay attention. Despite the many and various attempts of humanity to mess things up, God has successfully sustained the world for quite some considerable time now. And he loves you and he values you and he cares deeply for you. So while stopping you believing that he can sustain you, he's calling us to think, to consider. He's very much targeting our minds. And if you remember from last time, to make this practical, I, I try to encourage you Not to think of your mind as a cup that you can just empty of worry, but instead to think of it as a set of scales where you get to balance your worry with truth. But Jesus knows that we can't simply rationalise our way out of worry you see, when anxiety intensifies, it can have a paralyzing effect, can't it? We become less able to think clearly. We, we can't see all the available options. We can't see the bigger picture. We, we can't see objective reality anymore. It's like anxiety keeps us from thinking straight. And so right at the very end of this passage, in verse 34, Jesus offers some incredibly practical advice to help us separate our worries into two different categories. He says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now Jesus here hits on what I think is one of the most important principles when you're dealing with worry. There are basically two types of worry there's worry for today, and worry for tomorrow. If you like, there are solvable worries, things you can do something about today, uh, and there are floating worries. that They're not definable problems. They're just a whole series of what ifs. What if that happens? What if that doesn't happen? What if she does this? What if he does that? What if that emerges? series of what ifs. For example, I know there are quite a few keen gardeners in the church, of which for the record, I am not one. But imagine you spot a weed in your garden. There's a solvable worry there. You, You can take action by bending down, pulling it out of the ground. You've dealt with it, you can throw it away, get on with your day. If, however, you start worrying about whether you removed all the roots or whether it might have seeded itself and be about to spring up everywhere and engulf everything else, It's like you can allow the weeds that haven't yet appeared to stop you enjoying all the things that are growing healthily in your garden. Now for most people, solvable worries are things they can do something about. So you might be watching this right now and you're concerned about your future employment, or maybe you've been put on furlough and you need to prepare for going back to work full time. There are practical things you can do to resolve these worries. But for many of us, we aren't constrained by our solvable worries. It's actually the floating worries that are problematic for us. Our floating worries are things that haven't appeared yet, that the weeds that haven't arrived in my garden, but I'm worrying will arrive. And floating worries tend to take up the majority of our mind space. But Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So I think when Jesus says, don't worry, he's not saying, don't worry about today. What he's saying is, don't worry about tomorrow. What he's effectively saying is, look, there are solvable problems that you can tend to today. And there are these floating problems that you could get caught up with, but you can't do a whole lot about them. You, You can't deal with them today. And he's calling us into this focus on the here and now and not to focus on what may or may not happen hypothetically in the future. Jesus is saying, don't catastrophize the future because you're powerless to change the future. But bring your focus and attention into the now and attend to the needs of today. He's saying, just deal with what you can today and won't you trust me for the future? The Mind and Soul Foundation, which have a whole host of really helpful resources on this whole topic. They estimate that 90% of the worries that constrain people are these floating worries. That means that we're spending, in the region of 90% of our worrying time, wasting time thinking about things that will probably never happen. When actually, there are quite a lot of significant things that need to be tended to in the moment, but we're distracted from those things. And the rest of the time that we could be living and enjoying God's goodness is massively impacted. And so, if we could just become proficient at separating out these two different kinds of worry, the solvable worries that need our attention and the floating worries that don't, and I think we could find a tremendous amount of freedom here. It's a bit like going to a New Street Station. A trains coming and going the whole time, but I'm not obligated to get on them all. I mean, if I try to be pretty dangerous and exhausting, I, I get to choose which one I want to get onto. Yeah, it's like, I, I can't stop the trains coming to the station and opening their doors but I don't have to choose to get on board. Psychologists say that you'll have between 18 and 50,000 different thoughts every day, and of those 18 to 50,000 thoughts, maybe only three to four thousand of them are useful. So you don't have to attend to the 50,000 thoughts in your mind, they're, they're just like the, the trains that come into New Street Station and open their doors. You can choose which one. You want to get onto in any given moment, which sounds great in theory, doesn't it? But how do you actually, practically, go about doing that? Well, let me earth this a little and provide you with a couple of tools that I'm hoping will help you recognize which particular trains of thought are opening their doors to you. Last time. I encourage you to think of your mind as a set of balancing scales. This time, I want you to try and identify the ants in your mind. Now, once again, you probably need to bear with me on this one. Ants stands for automatic negative thoughts. You get that? Automatic negative thoughts. It's like, if you want to get freedom... From worry, if you wanna help navigate your anxiety, one of the first steps is to identify your automatic negative thoughts, your ants. You might find you have particular themes around those, that they might be around health or finances or relationships or self-esteem. But typically you, you find yourself worrying about the same sorts of problems, the same kinds of issues over and over and over again. But when you begin to identify what your ants are, then you can begin to address them. Now, to try and make this even more practical, some of you might benefit from keeping a thought record chart. Just every day, jot down, note down on your phone or on paper, some of the regular anxieties or worries that you have. And here's what I predict will happen. It'll help you do three things. First, it'll give you a more active awareness of what you're thinking about and what's really bothering you. Second, you can then work out which are solvable worries and which are floating worries. And then you can take the floating worries to God in prayer and leave them with him. The second tool I'd like to offer you also takes the form of an acrostic. I think it's helpful to identify where we're experiencing Fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Because here's the thing, because of the way our bodies work, we are biologically programmed to believe that our worries are real and significant. But actually, a lot of the time, our worries are down to false evidence appearing real. So just because we worry about something or feel it's significant or important doesn't mean there's anything to attend to. By way of example there's a family who have recently moved into the house over the road from us and they own a very expensive car with a highly effective alarm. Now I say effective, But if even a mouse scurries past and brushes its tail against one of the tyres, or if a leaf drops onto the bonnet, it's enough to set the alarm off. It's an absolute nightmare. And if for any reason uh, my neighbours over the road are watching this, please do something about it. But my point is this. The alarm is working perfectly well. It's just working a little too sensitively and for some of us who are perhaps dealing with anxiety our systems are working perfectly but they're just working a bit too sensitively so the the job isn't to get rid of our anxiety it's more a case of retuning or recalibrating it to a less sensitive setting so it doesn't dominate our thinking which actually, to some degree, i suggest most of us need to do right now. With with, with the whole onset of coronavirus, there's every chance that we've been living with a heightened state of anxiety for the last five or six months. I think one of the great challenges of this season is that so many of us have been so engaged with the anxiety of what might happen that we're approaching anxiety burnout. But God can bring us back to a place of peace. However, as we've seen, the first step isn't repressing our worries, but identifying them. Are they solvable? Are they floating? Are they ants, automatic negative thoughts that keep on coming round? And how am I responding to all of this? And then what Jesus is encouraging us to do here is make new appraisals, to think differently about our fears. Jesus invites us to think differently about our world and about our lives, to consider where we're falling prey to false evidence appearing real. And where we're a bit stuck, where we struggle perhaps to work out what is going on in our minds, his spirit brings revelation to us about real truth, not what we perceive to be true. And with his help, slowly but surely, over time, we can begin to experience thoughts and say, well, hang on a minute, is this really important? Uh, And is this feared outcome really likely to happen? It could happen, but how likely is it? You know what? I'm going to reframe this fear and say, no, I don't think that is likely to happen. And even if it does, I'm going to trust God because he has got my future in his hands. In other words, you can be impacted by an ant, but you don't need to allow it to dominate your vision. And you can then attend to what God has called you to do today. So, all that being said, I want to plead with you. Won't you take Jesus' teaching seriously? To not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries, but instead to attend to the needs of today. As Paul puts it, don't be anxious about anything. But he didn't leave it there. He adds, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then he gives us this wonderful promise. If we do this, The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Ultimately, God is here. He's with you. He cares deeply for you. He cares about the distractions of your mind. He longs for you to know his peace today. With the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit and so I want to pray for you Lord Jesus would you come right now by your spirit send your peace that we might experience your presence afresh would you give us wisdom to discern the things that need attention in our lives those solvable worries those things that are distracting us from life and living all those floating worries And would you give us the confidence we need to know that you've got our future in our hands and would you even now give us a deep assurance of your love for us Holy Spirit would you take all this information from our heads and drive it into our hearts Might feel your peace, your presence, your closeness, your care, your love for us right now. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.